When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. We're back for another app. <laughs> if you can believe it. Of best mistakes. Still have not missed a week. Yeah, no. And we don't ever plan to. And we don't ever fucking plan to because no. we're professionals. Also, my voice, nowhere to be found. I can't hear it not being here. Can you not hear that I'm kind of hoarse? No. I, yeah, no, it doesn't sound. Okay. Just when you said okay. <laughs> like, it doesn't really sound, um, yeah. It, I wish it Emma were Emma Stone is here now? I wish that she were. Best Mistakes. Ow. No, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound, um, like it's going, but. Well, I mean, helped. I think it's more back right now than it was, like, in the last couple of days. Yeah. So. But, you know, this is an audio uh, experience, an auditory experience, so I feel like maybe some of our listeners will hear it, so I just want you guys to rest assured I'm not sick, I just party really hard, (laughs) Um, so don't worry about me. I mean, I am still kind of sick. I've had the gay cough for months, it feels like, (laughs) and it is not COVID. Keep getting tested just in case, and they keep being like, it literally isn't COVID, so calm down. That's exactly how medical professionals speak to you. (laughs) Um, We're recording in my room again. So I never can really hear that much of a difference. But, you know, just for Elisa's reputation, (laughs) I want to say that we're recording on my or on our mics and, you know, not as high of quality of equipment or like. Yeah, we're recording on GarageBand. It's a <laughs> it's a different feel, um, so that's why that is. Because Elisa, you know, she just she is taking some paid time off, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that we just we treat our employees well here at Best Mistakes LLC. Yes. <laughs> um. Anyway. We've ha- we had a little bit of a snafu today for trying to record. Uh, my bad. <laughs> I mean, it was also my bad because I was late because I um, I had to go to Best Buy to get a cord for this mic because um, the other cord had broken, um, and I didn't realize how long it would take me to get there on the bus. So mm-hmm. I also was. Which Best Buy did you go to? Um, the ones in the Queens Place Mall oh, in, okay. like, Elmhurst. That was easier to get to than just, like, taking the L to Union Square? No Best Buy came up for Union Square, so I didn't know that there was one there. <laughs> isn't there, like, isn't that the Best Buy in New York is in Union Square? I don't know. It didn't pop up on Google Maps. Oh, my God. Did they Google. close because of COVID? It may have. Because I definitely that's just like, would have done that. That's the building that the, the clock that everyone says is, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah time is running out but that's I mean not what the clock yeah is. I don't know it wasn't that l- I mean it wasn't even that long it was like a 30 minute bus ride but it's still just like with waiting for the bus and then getting to 
the um, Best Buy. Then I got kind of lost trying to find the Best Buy because it's a really weird mall. Yeah, there's fully one in Union Square. That's so funny that <laughs> my phone just didn't. I wonder if it would have taken... I wonder why it didn't pop up on Google Maps. That's so weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just looked at it on Google Maps, and it was, like, the first one that popped up. Huh. Well... I mean, I'm not, you know... No, I mean, whatever. it gave me an excuse to go deeper into Queens, so... I love going to, like, those shopping centers in Queens. I do, too. I mean, I treated myself to some food court Chipotle, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chipotle, famously un- unavailable anywhere else in New York City. You have to go into Queens for it. I just love... Um, it was a real self-soothing moment. I love being in a mall by myself. Yeah, Especially, like, taking the bus to the mall was really nice. Brought me back to the good old days of being a teenager. Yeah, you're like, I am a teen in a small town. Yeah. Not an adult in New York City. I love that. Yeah, I mean, well, thank you for getting that cord. Oh, my God, of course. Famously, the reason why, the, the last time we recorded on our mics, the reason why it was objectively lower quality was because one of the cords was broken. So, yeah, I love that. Me too. I love that commitment to the pod. You, you hear that, listeners? Support the podcast, because we go to Best Buy <laughs> d- in Deep Elmhurst to get cords for you, because we've still never missed an episode, even if sometimes the episode comes out six hours later, still on a fucking Thursday every time. Don't you forget it. Don't you forget. Watch this be the week. It doesn't come out on Thursday, because Elisa is on vacation. So listen, if she doesn't want to edit it on time... That's fine. <laughs> and we'll all kind of be on vacation. So. It's crazy that, like, everybody is going on a trip at the same time right now. I know. I know. Because um, even our bestie Kiwi is leaving tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, we're, and we're all going away the same day for, I think we, when do you get back? Saturday. What day is that? The 24th. Okay, and so Kiwi gets back the 26th, and I get back the 27th. So wow. we all get back kind of... Right at the same time. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, we're all leaving at the same time, and we're getting back around the same time. None of us have to feel FOMO. Yeah, no FOMO (laughs) on these parts. But we're not going on a trip together, which is weird for us. I know. Yeah. (laughs) You both objectively will be having more of a vacation than I will, but... But you're going to a music festival. I am going, famously going to Newport Folk Fest, so that will be fun for the weekend. Yeah. But I am going back home to Rhode Island, but alas... More familial drama awaits. No, just... I just don't feel like going back. Yeah. <laughs> I need, like, one to three weeks of not being around anyone, and um, if I could get that in Rhode Island, that would be sick, but I'm going to be seeing a lot of people. <laughs> so. When do you plan on taking your... Um, My sabbatical? Yeah. I mean, I don't really, because I just... <laughs> I don't even really know how I would go about going on a vacation alone. I don't know where I would go... I mean, the last time I did that, I mean, I still, even when I was alone, I still, like, saw people. Yeah, I mean, like, people that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Last time I did that, I went to Boise, Idaho, (laughs) and then I, well, like, there was a comedy festival there that I was on, but then I, like, basically, in three weeks, on my own, I went from Boise, Idaho, to San Francisco, California, to Los Angeles, California, to Flagstaff, Arizona. Okay, And, like... I saw a bunch of people that I did know because there was, like, I did comedy shows and stuff, but the majority of my time was with people I didn't know or alone, and it was so great. 
Yeah, that when was like I, three years ago. That sounds great. When I envision like this fantasy trip, I just imagine myself in like a cute motel for like a long weekend, just somewhere on the ocean. Yeah, that's really what I would like. Which that's, I could make happen. You could super make so that doable. happen. Yeah. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. So my mistake was fully today. <laughs> I mismanaged my time. Thinking I was managing it because I just forgot one task that was the only time-sensitive task, mm-hmm. and that was um, that I had to go pick up these photo negatives at the place that I get my film developed um, because I had been leave like I'd left these negatives there for like two months, and they normally only hold it for you for like two weeks, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, fuck. I just got, like, I got an email this week that they're like, well, we're gonna throw them out, like, this week if you don't come, because we've been holding on to them, like, way longer than we normally do, and Mm. you keep saying you're gonna come get them, and you don't, and I'm like, true, 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 that's so true, bestie. (laughs) So I was like, no problem, my whole day today is gonna be getting ready to leave tomorrow, and so I, like, all the things I had planned today was basically record this podcast, pick up those photo negatives... And like pack. Yeah. But I just had the kind of ADHD day where I kept forgetting about, I could only remember two of those tasks at a time. So in the morning, I remembered that I needed to pick up the photo negatives and pack. And then I like remembered later, like, oh, fuck, Nika and I are recording today. But that's when you texted me being like, can we do a little bit later? Yeah. And I was like, oh, totally no problem because I forgot that we're doing this. So then the photo negatives got booped out of my brain and all I could remember was that we're recording and I'm packing. Yeah. And so then the rest of my day was just about like packing and I've been cleaning my apartment a little bit. It's kind of a mess right now, but that's because I've been packing. So don't pay attention to it. But um, anyway, you get here and that's like when I remembered that I need to pick up the photo negatives and that the place was closing in like an hour. And I was like, well, sorry, bestie. You have to wait here for fully an hour while I go pick it up. I did not mind at all. I mean, still a mistake, though. Like, no, yeah, stupid. I mean, definitely and I... fucked up your day, but I did not <laughs> mind having to wait. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for your leniency. Of course. I just, I felt like an idiot more than anything. Like, it just, you know, like when, because there are so many errands that had I thought about that, I could have combined with that trip. But because, totally. because... Now this was just a trip of, like, going to get those photo negatives and coming back as soon as possible. I just, like, drove a half hour into, like, a different part of Brooklyn and a half hour back for just one thing. And that felt so inefficient. And it just made me angry. But I just listened to the audiobook of Detransition Baby the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it calmed me down. I um, I'm almost done. I can't believe how good it is. Um, okay, so that was my mistake. I'm sure I made other mistakes this week, but that's, like, the one that's on the forefront of my mind because it just fucked up my last two hours of my life. Um, keepsake. I mean, I'm very excited to be going on this trip that I'm leaving on tomorrow um, to visit some besties in Asheville, and I'm doing some comedy shows in Asheville, um, I guess the day this comes out, one of my shows will have already happened. But if you're in Asheville or in the area, um, Friday, the 23rd, I'm opening for Shane Torres at, um, I forgot the name of the venue. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Um, 
at Asheville Beauty. No, 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 no. At Getaway River Bar. I was going to say Asheville Beauty Academy, which is my Wednesday show, which if you're listening to this happened last night and you missed it. Sorry. But yeah, I'm doing a show on Friday and would love for y'all to come through. A lot of my followers live in the Asheville area, I found out, because I've been getting all these messages that people are buying tickets and not just from like our friends. Oh, I love that. And I'm like, okay, go off. I'm not even the headliner, but I'll 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 put some money in that headliner's pocket. Sure, yeah. why not? Um so yeah, my keepsake is going like about to go on that trip, but that's like a future keepsake, I guess. So I'll say my keepsake from this week. Um Definitely, I mean, it was our friend JP's birthday this week, and I went to the beach with him, and then we went to the Vale of Cashmere and danced, and it was just, like, a very beautiful, like, full day of friendship and fun, Um, and that's when I lost my voice from just, like, (laughs) yelling at the beach and in the park uh, for 12 hours straight, if not longer, Um my hot take. This is so stupid. I actually legit got into like a wild fight with someone over this a few years ago over saying this hot take, but I'm going to say it again because it recently came up again in my life. The comedy show that you and I were on um, this past week, mm-hmm. there was somebody on it whose credit, by the way, was that he regularly opens for Tim Dillon. Oh, is this one I kept calling women bitches? That, welcome to my hot take, bestie. <laughs> okay. Oh. If you are a, a cis man, honestly, also if you're a trans man, if you're a man, <laughs> there is literally no reason on earth to refer to women as bitches except that you're a misogynist. Yeah. There is never a reason to call a woman a bitch, period. Even if she's quote-unquote being a bitch. Yeah. But, like, there are so many other words to use about women or anybody who's being, like, an asshole. For example, asshole. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, this person wasn't even just calling someone a bitch because they were being shitty. He just kept referring to women as bitches. And I feel like, you know, there are... (sighs) A million and one, like, excuses people will give for saying it that way. Like, oh, well, I call men bitches, too, or whatever. And you only ever call a man a bitch if you are insultingly comparing him to Mm -hmm. women. So, like, that isn't actually the excuse you think it is. To be like, no, 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 don't worry. It's not misogyny. I'm also insulting men for being Uh, like women. Like, that's still misogyny, my guy. Anyway, I posted something about this on Facebook when I was, like, 20, so, like, five years ago, Um, and this Vermont comedian lost his fucking mind at me about how, like, stupid and, like, snowflake liberal woke bullshit that is, and I have screenshots like, of him literally, like, losing his mind. And one of the screenshots is, like, I call women bitches every single day. Like, as if he's, like, making some kind of point. And I'm, like, great. So you're just kind of admitting you're exactly what I hate. Congratulations. That's fine. But this isn't really a counterpoint to say that you call women bitches all the time. Like, you got to have an actual point, you know? But anyway, um, that argument escalated to a 
degree were that comedians, like, friends who were women started DMing me, threatening me that the next time I'm in Vermont, they're going to beat my ass. Oh, my God. Just because I posted a, like... Facebook status about how I don't think that there's any good reason for men to ever call women bitches under literally any circumstances. Yeah, none. The one concession, like, and I, it's not, it's a hesitant one, is like when gay guys are like, bitch, you know? Yeah. They're like, ooh, bitch, you look amazing. That kind of like, I'm like, fine, that's fine. I don't love it, but it's also like, I'm not upset at it the way that, like, this straight cis comedian the other night just was referring to, like, a woman he dated as, like, this bitch said this. Yeah. Ugh. But anyway, that's my hot take. It's not that hot of a take, and I'm sure somebody listening disagrees with me, but that's just how I feel. But women can call each other bitches. Yeah, absolutely. And cunts. Yes. Um, my keepsake would be the party at the Vale of Cashmere, specifically, um, running into my friend, and we'll edit out their name, but just to give you context of who this is, uh, my friend, who I, we didn't have, like, a falling out, per se, but we just, like, stopped talking and hitting each other up during, like, fall, like, last fall, after being, like, together all the time during most of the summer during the pandemic because um, we lived really close to each other in Crown Heights slash Bed-Stuy. Um, but we, like, stopped talking to each other and it, like, it just, like, grew into something more and there was just, like, a little bit of drama um, in our friendship and there were, like, hurt feelings on both ends and we have had, like, one conversation over text about it a few months ago and I was, like, kind of curt with them and then I saw them at this party and we, like, went over and, like, sat on a bench in the park and just, like, talked for, like, I don't know, like, 45 minutes about how we were both feeling and, like, apologized to each other and just, like, hurt each other out and it was nice so that was, that was cute Um, Because, like, I really love this person, um, regardless of what happened between us. Um, And let's see. That's beautiful. Wait, did did I interact with this person at all? No, I don't think you saw them. They were only there, or, like, I was only with them for a minute. Um, Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So I still haven't met them, right? No, yeah, you haven't. I don't think you were there yet, but I think this is someone that you would actually really like. Like, they're, like, a very funny, shady Libra, like, just, like, very sweet, named me Teen Idol, like, was a very close friend. I'd like them to be a close friend again. They seem like they're doing a lot better than they were before, which was kind of the crux of, like, our silent falling Mm -hmm. out was them being, spiraling a bit and me not really wanting to be there for them emotionally. Right. Um, So, that's good. Um... (laughs) My mistake is that I'm just 110% socialized out, um, and, yeah, like, last night was the first time I'd slept in my own bed since Thursday, um, and, yeah, just socialized out, have, like, not been spending nearly enough time alone, which I really enjoy being by myself and doing things alone for myself, like going to a movie alone, or Mm. going to dinner alone, or going for a walk alone, but I have 
so many friends now that I, every time I want to do something alone, I'm like, oh, but what if I hit up Keely to go to that movie with, or yeah. Anya to go get dinner with, or yeah. this fucking friend to go on a walk in the park Ugh, with? It's so hard being so popular. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been, it's really hard to prioritize alone time after like the pandemic, the pandemic. Yeah. And it's like, I just, I feel not only socialized out, but a little bit partied out. Yeah. And I feel we, very similarly. Yeah. Like we, and while we'll I use I statements, I have definitely been partying my ass off and yeah. I don't regret it, but like just looking at like my bank account and <laughs> seeing how much money I have spent over the course of this summer on partying and all the things that come with partying, the Ubers, the alcohol, the drugs, the fucking tickets to place, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just all of it. I The takeout. The takeout, like just everything. I definitely, yeah. um, I don't ever not, you know, I don't ever want to stop partying, but I would like to take a bit of a break and um, have definitely been like struggling this week with trying to navigate how I could even do that, especially with our friend group, because we all do love to party. So I just need to, like, be better at listening to myself. Yeah. Is uh, the moral of that story. Yeah, I'm having FOMO, but about, like, the alone time that I know I could be having. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even today, being on the bus and, like, fucking going to a mall in Queens, I was like, oh, this feels so good. Like, I'm just, like, doing an activity alone. Yeah, to be no honest, one with me. driving to that like to that photo lab and just driving back it was just like an hour of me alone in my car not looking at my phone I was like I kind of loved that like I hated how like inconvenient the timing of it was but I agree with you where like just going on like one errand by yourself can sometimes just be like oh yeah I enjoy my own company. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, I'm even excited to, like, be on the train alone tomorrow for, like, three and a half hours. Ugh. To wrap up this long uh, mistake, uh, it's funny that, like, Kiwi, our, our, our bestie Kiwi, everyone. <laughs> we, me Friend and, of the pod. Me and him just had a conversation about this um, on our way to the Vale of Kashmir the other night where, we, where he was talking a little bit about, like, yeah, I think I might also want to, like, pump the brakes on... How like why you know how wild we've all been going like yeah. it would be not you know we were talking about the concept of like self preservation and being like a queer elder yeah. and like what it looks like to become a queer elder and how self preservation falls into that yeah how to literally stay alive to be a yeah. queer elder yeah yeah and I was I was like okay this is like comforting that maybe we're all kind of feeling the same way so we can like all do it together as a friend group <laughs> um, I gotta start doing stuff alone will you do it with me. No, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> no, it's know. difficult when you're, like, in, like, a, a clique of people. That, like, are constantly doing shit together. And especially, like, partying. Yeah. 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 And you're, like, the one that, like, wants to take the break. So when it's nice, it's nice when, like, everybody's kind of seems to be on the same page to an extent. Um, yeah. And my hot take. Um... My hot take is calm the fuck down about vaccinated people getting COVID. <laughs> um, and no, there's not going to be another lockdown in this country. So maybe like save the tweets because it's literally never going to happen that we're going to get a nationwide lockdown. We barely had a lockdown last year. Yeah. Like that was like a joke of a fucking lockdown. Um, so the idea that like the United States government is going to put us <laughs> back into quarantine is such... A joke, and it's like, go off queen, get your Twitter likes. But it's really just like the sense of like fake fear that people are 
really like peddling out there on the internet, I'm like, oh my god, it is May 2020 again. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Shut up. Yes, people are getting COVID from either the Delta variant or just the strain that was already out there in general. No one ever said that we weren't going to get COVID when we got vaccinated. It's just not as bad and not as transmissible. Yeah. And that's still only really a risk for unvaccinated people. Like, they're saying that this is now a pandemic among unvaccinated people. And what that means is that even though vaccinated people are getting COVID, they're not nearly getting as bad of a case of it. But they are, they're less likely to transmit it. But the people they are most likely to transmit it to are unvaccinated people. And unvaccinated people are giving it back and forth to each other. Like, this is still, to me, like, save your tweets about how vaccinated people should be acting or should be, like, you know, still be wearing masks and all that shit. Like, all of your energy should be going towards just getting people fucking vaccinated. Yeah. This is not our... Not that that's not our problem. That's too strong of a word. It's everyone's problem. But, like, it's not really our problem anymore that, like, COVID still exists. Like, vaccinated people did what they needed to do. And for the most part, it's now, like, if you're vaccinated, essentially you're getting the flu. Yeah. So. Basically. But even less severe than the flu, they're saying. Whatever. I still don't want COVID. That's why I keep getting tested for COVID with my little cough. And, like, I care still very deeply about this pandemic. But, like, I am I care about it for the sake of, like, the people around me and not so much myself because I'm vaccinated. So it, like, won't be that bad if I get it. I still don't want to get it, obviously. Yeah. But if you were in Fire Island uh, in the last two weeks, I would say... Go get tested. Yeah, Multiple people have um, been have gotten COVID, and it seems to be a lot of people who are not vaccinated mm-hmm. that were in Fire Island that got COVID. Um, so go get vaccinated and tell your stupid, messy, fucking friends to please get vaccinated and tested and tested. Please, please, sick. And yeah, even if you weren't in Fire Island, if you're partying this summer, regardless of being vaccinated, like get tested, not necessarily as regularly as you were getting tested before, but get regularly tested still. It's still important to like be on top of that. Yeah. Um, Because a huge part of like the transmission part of COVID like or COVID is transmitted the most before you are getting any symptoms of it. So, like, it's important to be on top of it even if you don't have any symptoms and even if you are vaccinated. Because if you're out there in sweaty-ass clubs making out with strangers, which I hope you are, (laughs) it's still, you know, still a pandemic going on. Get tested. Yes. Um, Fuck up of the week. Fuck up of the week. To me, the fuck up of the week was that person on Twitter uh, who posted the thread about, like, resenting their parents for giving them $100,000. Interesting, yeah. Um, For anyone who's not chronically addicted to Twitter, you may have missed this. Um, There was this thread that this user... Hold on, let me pull up the... Let me pull up the thread. This user posted... um, 
This is the first tweet of the thread. A few days ago, I took a medium dose of acid and wrote for several hours straight and admitted some things to myself, mostly about money. Let's start here. Last August, my mom gave me $100,000 for my birthday. I resented her for this and also suppressed the resentment. The thread goes on to be about, like, I don't know, 40 tweets. Um, it is riveting start to finish. I People obviously were fucking f- furious at this, like, deeply like un both unself-aware and very self-aware thread about like this enormous silver spoon this person is sick of sucking on i guess <laughs> they're like i've had this silver spoon in my mouth since birth and i just want it out of here yeah and everyone's like cool can uh-huh. you fucking like have a- an ounce of self-awareness and like realize how many people their money problems are not just like emotional and psychological, but like actually life or death. It's like yeah. very insensitive to that element of like, like to them, this thread is all about like how money has impacted their relationship with their parents and their relationship with themselves and their self worth. And I actually do think that those are interesting things to talk about and explore because I don't think even poor people are immune to those things like money does impact our relationships and our relationships with ourselves and our our uh pl- like where we think our place is in the world and like i don't think that this thread was like completely hitting or completely missing any points like i think it actually they were so close to like making interesting points about the way class impacts every part of our lives but the, what they were missing from it is, like, the context of just, like, how fucked up it is to talk about your emotional problems with money as if they are as severe as, like, people's actual problems with money. Yeah. Um to me, that was... I mean, I'm, there's, uh, there's, like, a million points you could make about this thread. But um, if anyone... Wants to read it. I retweeted it, or I quote tweeted it um, on my Twitter, and you can probably find it pretty easily because I have not been tweeting a whole lot this week, so it's still pretty high up there. Um, but it's, it was basically just like this really, really fucking privileged perspective on money that like it took an acid tab for this person to realize that they're a spoiled brat, essentially. Yeah. And like, and that we're all supposed to think that that's so interesting. It felt kind of like what people think Lena Dunham is. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just like, <laughs> and like to post it on Twitter. That to me is the fuck up of the week. It's like you should have written that as a pilot and sold it to HBO because they would have lapped that shit up. But so. posting it to Twitter is like possibly the least receptive audience of all time for a thought spiral like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like re- very well written too it's like really really well written it's like this person really like wrote out an, a personal essay and like copy and pasted it into like a twitter thread and was like and now what I'm gonna do is hit post and that is wild to me that they thought that that was like a good idea yeah. and now they're being super defensive at like all the backlash they're getting and I get it like listen I've been on the receiving end of twitter's severe like backlash avalanche it can send at you sometimes and I understand the feeling of like doubling down but this person like the fact that they didn't see that coming is crazy to me yeah agreed 
And anyway, just like to me, the reason I found it so fascinating and like why I wasn't full of just pure rage while reading it which don't get me wrong it was infuriating to read how this person was like oh poor me I got a hundred thousand dollars now let's talk about how that impacted me emotionally like obviously that was infuriating to read and that their conclusion at the end wasn't like so now I'm gonna like make something of this money and donate it to causes or like start a foundation they're like their conclusion at the end is that they just need to keep writing and as long as they keep writing everything else is going to fall into place like that was infuriating but the thing that wasn't infuriating to me about this was that i think that this is a candor where we don't get a lot from people born into that kind of privilege Mm -hmm. and i was honestly kind of grateful to hear this this kind of like unfiltered honesty about being that rich from someone from that part of society who, which famously never talks about how rich they are. Yeah. Like I kind of loved hearing this deeply unre- unrelatable story from someone knowing that there are people in my life that are ashamed to admit that they related to it. And that they would never, like, be that honest about it. No, I mean, I like, you know, I'm, like, not rich, but, like, my parents paid my bills until I was, like, 24. So I definitely, like, relate. Like, I understood the idea of, like, resenting your parents for giving you money and you feeling like it holds you back or you kind of are, like, dependent on, like, suckling on this, like, financial teat. Um, Like, I understood parts of the thread, but, like, again... And so, yeah, I guess, like, I appreciate a little bit, but, like, that they posted it. But I just don't really, because it's, like, again, Twitter is not the place to post this kind of content. And just, like, I just feel like the way the thread was even written was so insufferable. And, like, it's, like, one thing to talk about coming from a place of privilege and, like, your parents giving you money, but, like... I don't know. I don't just the whole basis of it. Like, did like a medium dose of acid and like wrote for twelve hours and had my acid brain had a conversation with my sober brain where like I realized that I resented my mom. Like it was just like very like self indulgent. Self indulgent. I'm giving you like a black box performance right now at like NYU. Which is basically like like I said, it seemed like it was a personal essay that was like copy and pasted into a Twitter thread. Which is why I was like, this is such. So the wrong place for this. It's like, if you want to talk about, like, the, like, real kind of, like, resentments that may lie, whether or not they're bullshit and born from privilege, because they are. But if you want to talk about that experience as someone who's experienced it publicly, at least talk about it in a way where, like, you have some humor attached to it. Humor and any self-awareness and awareness of other people's lives. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I have often spoken about, like, again, parents paying my bills until I was, like in my, or, you know, through my early 20s and have never once not been like, and yeah, I was a brat. Like, yeah. I, I ne- have never once, have always been self, have tried to be self-aware about it and have never tried to make it seem like it was this, like, deep part of my identity that I was, like, struggling with. Right, it's really right, fucking right. weird. It's yeah. really weird. People don't just have blind hatred for rich people in general. There are plenty of rich people that everyone, like, stands, you know? Like, yeah, Britney Jean Spears. <laughs> okay, but she wasn't born into privilege. She's the one supporting her parents. <laughs> uh, I mean, more and like, sister. you know, people love Laura Dern. Laura Dern was yeah. born into an immeasurable privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Dakota Johnson. Yeah. You know, 
there's so many examples. Um, Willow Smith. Willow Smith. Miley Cyrus. People do hate Miley Cyrus, but not for that reason. (laughs) Kim Kardashian. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like you, this, I don't know. They're acting as if all the backlash they're getting is only because of like how they talked about their financial privilege and like that people just blindly hate anyone from that kind of privilege. And I'm like, yeah, maybe a couple of the people that hate you is for that reason. But the majority of them is because you like had such a self-indulgent perspective with absolutely zero points made. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's not humorous. It's so completely tone deaf to like the situation a lot of other people are in right now. Mm hmm. And have been in. It's like, to say that I got $100,000 and I just didn't know what to do with it, and that's been hard. It's like, okay, there's literally, like, thousands, millions of GoFundMes right now for people who are just trying to not lose the roof over their head. You could have just gone through all of those. If that's that much of a burden mm-hmm. to hold on to that $100,000 your parents gave you. Anyway, I digress. That was the fuck-up of the week, in my opinion. At least, you know, a small fuck-up. I know that there's bigger political fuck ups yeah, all the time, cares? but I'm. <laughs> who cares? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm over it. You know. Same. <laughs> all right. Um, speaking of political fuck ups, that's what this episode is all about. Do you not remember? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I thought that we were. Re- we'll edit this out. I thought we were recording straight through for the episode <laughs> that we're recording tonight. Yes, uh, all about uh, Buddy Cianci, the infamous mayor, two-time mayor um, of the city of Providence, Rhode Island. Um, you've probably heard about him on the much celebrated, but by me much hated podcast, Crime Town. Um, <laughs> on season one. Um, You've probably heard about him just in general. Um, So let's get into it. I'm very excited. Uh, Yeah. Great. Get into it. Listener mistakes. Um, Are we, is it, does she want to be anonymous? Um, Keep her anonymous because she didn't say either way. Okay. Well, friend of the pod. Let's say that. Friend of the pod. So, um, here we go. My mistake was wearing a skirt with no panties while on my period. It was PVC. Why the hell would I wear panties under that? I bled through my tampon during during a session with a new client I'm trying to impress and turn into a regular, and multiple giant blood splatters dripped all over my bright white floors. My client was the one who pointed it out to me. About 30 minutes prior to the tampon leak, I'd made my client's balls bleed during some hardcore CBT. After the bleeding stopped, I'd incorporated taping his cock and balls up, and I'd ripped the tape off just a minute or two before he noticed my blood on the floor. So when he mentioned the blood, Mistress, is this yours or mine? I told him it must have been his from when I just ripped the tape off. Like the tape caught the scabs that had barely formed or something. Oh my god. I have no idea if he bought it or not, especially since the blood splatters came from where I'd been standing and walking, rather than where he'd been seated. I was absolutely mortified and can't believe that that happened. Cat suits on my period from now on. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, context. This person is a dominatrix. Yes. um, And CBT 
while sometimes cognitive behavioral therapy, in this case, she is referring to <laughs> cock and ball torture for people don't, that don't know the, for people who don't know. <laughs> oh my God, that is mortifying. It truly. Absolutely. Ah, oh my God. <sighs> the only time I've ever really like really bled through on my period, I was in ninth grade, I was wearing gray skinny jeans. I had this ex-boyfriend that I was still madly in love with, but who was like a huge douchebag and was like kind of an asshole to me because he like knew I still liked him and he like kind of got off and like, like, I don't know, giving me hope and then being a dick, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of shit. Yeah. And there's like this McDonald's across the street from my high school and at the end of the day, I would walk over to the McDonald's and like get a soda and then like walk home. And he was sitting outside the McDonald's and I walked by him and I kind of like looked over my shoulder and saw him like looking at my ass and like kind of smirking. And I was like, "Ugh!" like he's checking me out. And then I like walk all the way home and I like it was like I had a like no. target, like a target logo oh my God. on my ass. And I was like, how long through the school day did I have this? But also I kind of didn't give a shit who else saw it. I was mortified that I like thought he was like checking me out and he was literally laughing at me. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, I've uh, been obviously not with period, but have been there twice bleeding during a hookup recently. But even worse was being at a family wedding a week and a half after I'd come back from Thailand after getting bottom surgery and I was wearing like very like light dusty pink pants and I still had to wear like pads at that point because I was like you know having like blood and stuff come out um and I was like dancing all night at the wedding and when I woke up the next morning I looked at the back of my pants and also like a big fucking thing of blood and discharge and I was like I bet everybody in my family saw that and just no one told me the pants were so light I wonder if they were all like wait is she getting her period (laughs) (laughs) okay my deep dive yeah 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 Okay, um, this one is, like, very stupid and inconsequential, but it does just, like, it's one of those moments in my life that just, like, hits me right as I'm falling asleep sometimes, and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? So I used to clean apartments in New York. I was a task rabbit, uh, er, a tasker, I guess, is what they called us on the app. Um, Yeah, I would, like, basically, people would just, like, go on the app and just be like, I want someone to clean my bathroom and then they would match me with that person kind of like uber but a little bit scheduled ahead of time but like just matches you with somebody and then that person comes and does the thing that you want so i once was asked to come to this person's apartment when they weren't home they like left a key for me um and clean just their like bathroom and usually people would want me to clean their whole apartment but sometimes i just get like a one room request And so I'm like, okay, I'm here to clean your bathroom. And I get there and um, their like apartment is really small and their bathroom is really small. So when I'm like taking all of their stuff out of their shower to like scrub the shower down, there's nowhere in the bathroom to really put it. So I put these like shampoo bottles and these like uh, uh, body wash bottles and stuff on their 
wooden dining room table. Oh, no. (laughs) Did not think about it. Clean their bathroom. Go to put those things back in the shower. And obviously, there are just rings all over the table from the wet marks. (laughs) Oh, no. And they only asked me to clean the bathroom. So I was like... I can't even really come up with some excuse as to why this happened because I wasn't even really supposed to like be in this part of the apartment. So I panic and I Google like how to get rid of those watermarks from wooden surfaces. And there's this way it's like olive oil and like like apple cider vinegar or something like that. Maybe like also lemon juice. They happen to have all these supplies in their kitchen. So I like make the mixture and like rub down their dining room table. Sure enough, it works. And their dining room table actually like the entire thing looks better because there were like (laughs) little like rings from before I did that too. Uh And so then I just leave and like don't say anything about it. And then I get this glowing review from this person that I like they hired me for only an hour and I only charged them for an hour and they like did like I did the bathroom like they asked, but then I was considerate enough to take the like watermarks on their dining room table off. (laughs) I was like, you're welcome. (laughs) And kind of just like one of my all time favorite absolute pivots, because that could have like, if I didn't think like sometimes I feel like some certain moments in my life, I would have been like fuck and panicked and just like left, you know, Uh but like I, Thought to like just there. I'm like, surely there is a solution. Literally, I like make the solution, do it. And then they think that I actually was like just going above and beyond for no reason. And um, it like made me look like a better person and smarter than I actually was. I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) One of my more iconic mistakes. Also, now I know how to get water marks off of wooden surfaces. (laughs) And I do it all the time in my own home. So that's that. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm uh, pulling up what we're ta- yeah. Okay, he is a uh, is he? Wait, April thirtieth. Taurus. Oh, never mind. All right, I thought maybe he was an Aries. <laughs> anyway, I was gonna relate it. Okay. Well, um, much like you, um, <laughs> doing something that you weren't supposed to do, fucking up, and then coming out of it with a glowing review, <laughs> and um, still, you know, getting away with it essentially, um. That is also like the time that the former mayor of Providence, Buddy Cianci, kidnapped his soon-to-be ex-wife's lover. Um, what? And lived to tell the tale and to still run for mayor and win a second time five oh years later. God. Best mistake. So we are bringing it to local politics uh, okay. in Providence, also, Rhode Island. that is like incredibly related. That's very <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, so. Didn't even have to really reach for that. <laughs> okay. So um, if you're from Rhode Island, like anywhere in Rhode Island, but especially if you're from Providence, you definitely know who Buddy Cianci is either like on the sidelines or you like met him once personally. Maybe your parents worked with him. Who knows? Minded. Um, the producer of our podcast slash my sister called him a hucking idiot when she was a toddler. <laughs> so just like, you know, long family history. Long. Long with this man. Anyway, 
um, just to kind of like set up this the like scope of what politics was like in the mid seventies when Buddy Cianci run ran for mayor. Um, so he ran in 1974. He was the um, the AGA in Providence, and he was young, fresh on the scene, 33 years old, Italian American. Um, grew up in um, grew up on the East Side, which is like a very wealthy part of Providence. Was living on the East Side, kind of had a relationship where the working and middle class Italian Americans, because the East Side of Providence to this day, there's like maybe between like one to four Italian American families who live in that neighborhood. Um, it's like very much a waspy neighborhood. So his relationship to Italian Americans at the time was that people felt like he wasn't really one of us. Mm. Um, Anyway, he decides to run against our mayor, um, Joseph Dorley. Um, and Buddy Sancy decides to run because he's the assistant um, attorney general um, as the anti-corruption candidate. And at this point, um, the like structure of politics in Providence is that for like the last 140 years, it had only been Irish mayors in Providence. And it had only been Democratic Irish mayors in Providence. So Buddy Sancy comes on the scene not only as the youngest person to potentially become mayor, the first Italian-American to potentially become mayor. He also runs as a Republican. Um, Subversive. Subversive. So he runs. Um, He announces in 1974 that he's going to run against the tenure incumbent, Joseph Dorley. Um, And he... He doesn't win by much, (coughs) but he does win by 704 votes. So he's the city's first Republican mayor um, in like in decades. Um, And, you know, goes on to say uh, in his 1975 inauguration that he's going to start a new beginning for the city. Um, Pretty soon his... um, like, his administration is rocked by scandal in, like, more than one way. But the biggest, like, the biggest public one hits in 1978 when a New Times Magazine article runs. Also, we'll slap a trigger warning onto this episode for sexual assault um, and, like, other acts of violence. A Wisconsin woman accuses C- Mayor Cianci of raping her at gunpoint. 12 years earlier when he was a law student at Marquette University. Oh, my God. Cianci gets away with this scandal by saying he doesn't admit or deny it. All he says was that he was never charged or convicted. Oh, my God. Um, So two years later, um, a libel suit is filed um, in connection with the article. Cianci acknowledges that he had paid uh, the woman $3,000 after she dropped her complaint, that he did spend the evening with her that night. Um, and that there was a gun in the house, but still says that nothing happened. Um, $3,000, even in 1975 money, is not enough. Yeah. So a few months go by. Stancy decides to run for governor. Um, He's defeated. uh, So he comes back to Providence. Um, He continues uh, being mayor. And... um, his like, you know, the first few years of his uh, anti-corruption, as he liked to call it, administration were not actually anti-corruption at all. He 
He's not basically Buddy Sancy is like considered to have been connected to the mafia. And like that is like a huge thing has that has persisted for years. He wasn't really connected with the mob, but he like had people that he had people that like knew the mob that he had in his back pocket. And basically what was going on was that the mafia at this point, like was running all of the unions in the city, the trash unions, um, uh, any, any like blue collar job that had a union, the mafia was in control of. And so buddy Sancy is like constantly in a war with the unions. Um, and this is rocking the administration and it's also rocking the city, with debt, with scandal, there's a period of point where all of the unions decide that they're not going to pick up the trash anymore. So they go on a trash strike in the 80s. And Cianci, instead of caving, sends out, he hires like private um, contractors for to send out their own trash collectors to go pick up uh, all the trash in the city. And he has them armed with uh, machine guns on the back of the trucks so oh that God. so that there won't be like any protests or blowback from the unions. Um, with like the promise that if there were blowback, they shoot them? Well, so unbeknownst to the public, the guns were not actually loaded. Okay. So it was all scared, but no one knew this until years later. But like also that's like, what is the legality of that? So here's like more that you need to know about Providence. Providence has been a city of, at this point, has been a city of like the utmost corruption since it became a city in like the 1800s. Yeah. So it's like always been known as like a backwoods, lawless. It was like considered like the wild, wild west of New England. Mm. Um, and so it was really easy for Buddy Cianci to kind of do whatever the fuck he wanted. Um, and people really liked him, right? Like, he was a super charming, affable guy, gave a great speech. And also at this point, like, as much as, like, the city is, like, falling into more debt and he's doing a lot of these, like, fucked up things and, he, you know, people in his in his administration are embezzling money and he's being accused of, you know, raping a woman years ago. At the same time, he's also doing a lot of what people consider good for the city. He is, you know, doing revitalization programs, you know, in neighborhoods. So he's gentrifying the city, which is like what people want at this point, because Providence, like many of the cities in New England and the Northeast, were like, you know, thriving downtown areas up until the 70s. And then when the when everyone when white flight essentially happened in the 60s and 70s um, or peaked in the 60s and 70s, Providence, like many of those cities, like New Haven, even Manhattan, etc., yeah. were left behind. Yeah. So CNC comes in, you know, and he is doing a lot of things to put Providence back on the map. So people in Providence don't really care how he's getting it done. They just like that he's getting it done. Um, classic, classic politician. Absolutely. Um, where's the article? Okay, sure. <laughs> Here's where we get to March 1983. Um, so the uh, person that Buddy Cianci kidnaps on this night is Raymond DeLeo, who's a wealthy contractor. He'd known Cianci through um, Republican politi- politics, but he didn't consider him a close friend. Um, so mind you, when he gets an invite to a phone call to be invited to Cianci's house on a random Sunday night in Providence, he lives in Bristol. It's like a 40 minute drive over. (coughs) He's perplexed and his like red flag alarm kind of goes off, but he goes anyway, which to me 
It's insane because he literally was fucking Buddy Sancy's soon to be ex wife. So it's like, how did you not <sighs> kind of think that, like, maybe something was up? Yeah. I don't know. So, um, Raymond DeLeo um, gets there. Oh my God. Uh, to his brick mansion on Power Street, which is like one of the most gorgeous houses on the east side. Um, and he gets there and um, there's a uniformed police officer, James Hassett, who answers the door. Um, and there is um, Joseph DeSanto, who is the director of public works and also Cianci's confidant. Um, and then William McGare, a former probate judge and Cianci's divorce lawyer. So there's like a whole little crew there. Of men who are all... This is an intervention. You need to stop fucking my wife. (laughs) You have a problem. (laughs) All close with CNC. Um, The fire is roaring. The drinks are being poured. It's a stormy night. (laughs) Shit is about to go down. Oh, no. DeLeo gets in there, is offered a drink, and immediately the fight starts. So... Cianci slaps him in the back of the head um, while he's sitting in a chair, says, you've been screwing around with my wife. Um, DeLeo is emphatic about denying these accusations. Cianci is getting, the more that he denies it, the angrier Cianci gets. So Cianci says, go ahead, strike me back. Uh, Strike me back, you're going to get a bullet in your head. While this is happening, out of the corner of his eye, DeLeo notices Officer Hassett who is sitting on the other side of DeLeo's chair. And he moves his hand, the officer, to the holster on his hip um, where his gun is. So DeLeo, you know, says in his account that whether it was to, um, you know, whether he was moving his hand for no reason um, to, you know, to protect the gun or to threaten DeLeo, he doesn't know. But either way, it was quite threatening. So... Cianci continues hitting DeLeo. Um, he starts punching him. Um, and at one point tells him that, like, DeLeo is not going anywhere until they get to the bottom of this. Um, the fight gets so intense with DeLeo not fighting back that Cianci takes a lit cigar and puts it out on the side of DeLeo's eye. What? Yeah. Um... And obviously, DeLeo can't really go anywhere. Um, So he keeps him there for two hours. While Cianci is stalking around the living room, he's verbally abusing him. He's threatening him. Um, And DeLeo says that the men in the room are saying nothing. And that because they were so silent and because of Cianci's earlier threats, DeLeo just decided that it was in his best interest not to fight back or to even try to leave. But he would go on to later describe it as though he were Buddy Cianci's prisoner. Um, he said that throughout the next two hours, the rage got even worse, that he threw, uh, Cianci threw liquor on DeLeo. He spit on him. As I said, he tried to snuff out. Oh, it wasn't a cigar. It was a cigarette um, in DeLeo's left eye. But because DeLeo flinched, it just went on the corner of his eye. Um, Cianci grabbed a fireplace log and raised it over DeLeo's head like a club. Um, and this is when one of Cianci's friends, his divorce lawyer, Joe DeSanto, gets up and goes over to help DeLeo fend off the blow. 
Um, and so it just continues going on. And at about like one, I think like 1 a.m. Yeah, it says midnight 1 a.m. Um, Delio. Like, okay, ready for afters? <laughs> Let's go Kiki. Delio is let out and he is able to go. So obviously, pretty immediately, DeLeo goes and files a police report on being kidnapped by the mayor of Providence. (laughs) And tortured. And tortured. Um, And so, let me get the other article. Um, 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 um. Um, so let's see. Okay, so eventually it's taken to court in 84. And Sancy does yet again what he did with the rape charges is that he doesn't admit or dispute it. So he just pleads no contest. Um, he goes on to claim that DeLeo had been romantically involved with his soon-to-be ex-wife. Um... Both DeLeo and Cianci's uh, soon-to-be ex-wife, Sheila Cianci, dispute the relationship. Um, But regardless, um, the regulations in Providence, the municipal regulations, prohibit a convicted felon from holding public office, um, which was a rule that Cianci had actually, like, helped get passed a few (laughs) years earlier. Um, So Cianci goes on to resign. Um, A special election is is held... Um, to to Wait, get a replacement for so he's him. Convicted? He's not convicted, but because the charges were um, so, or rather, he is convicted, but he's not sent to prison. So okay. the way that he gets out is that he um is given a five year suspended sentence. Okay. So it prohibits him from doing anything political for the next five years. Got it. So he doesn't go to prison. He resigns. He starts a radio um a political radio talk show. Um, and then five years later comes knocking on Providence's door and runs for mayor again and wins again. The people of Providence are fucking overjoyed to have Buddy Sancy back. This time he runs as an independent um, with the slogan um, Democrats for Sancy created by Italian-American Democrats who wanted him back in office. Um, (laughs) And so during his second term as mayor of Providence, after, you know, becoming a convicted felon, um, he basically brings back Providence. Uh, he um, brings back Providence through the Providence Renaissance. There's a um, the creation of the Providence Place Mall, the rivers um, downtown that had been covered for like 180 years or uncovered. Um, he creates this really popular summertime event that still happens in Providence called Water Fire on the Rivers. Um, just like brings like a whole new era to Providence um, and kind of streamlines the redevelopment of downtown. Um, and then goes to prison a second time. Wait, when um, was he in prison a first time? Or, uh, sorry, uh, get, resign or um, uh, gets... Um, has to resign a second time and goes to prison for a first time. Okay. So this second time that he resigns, he gets sent to prison for what was called um, Operation Plunderdome, which that could be a whole nother episode. 
so I won't get into it. But essentially, it was a big time embezzlement scheme that him and several people in his administration went to prison for. You can read about it in the Prince of Providence or listen to the um, podcast, which I hate, but you can listen to it anyway. Crime Town um, <laughs> about it. <laughs> this is not an official recommendation. It's just an uh, it's just an option. Just an option. I hate that podcast, and every time I tell people I'm from Rhode Island, they love to bring it up. Um, I just think those two guys are so fucking annoying, and I think the, I think that like whole it was just like very like oh we're like two non Italian American like white boys with a podcast who are gonna tell you all about this crazy city. That's fine. Yeah, I mean. They're older. They're just no. They're not. No, but they're fucking annoying. And the whole way they set up the podcast, it's just you know the like every episode they talk about how like Providence was a city separated by two hills, College Hill and Federal Hill, and it's like so it's like literally a city built on seven hills, and we have like multiple different diverse neighborhoods, um, and like. It, it was just like I don't know it was weird and annoying and it was like the whole they were very much like we're like journalists who are here to like not romanticize the mafia in Providence anyway we're gonna romanticize the mafia in Providence for 20 episodes um it was just with their like dramatic music at the end of every episode it was annoying um anyway yeah, quick anti some other podcast tangent yeah we can per- obviously well, we can obviously cut this out yeah but- cut <laughs> we do need to feud with the podcast. Maybe this is the oh, one. I'll fucking feud with we Crime need Town. The publicity. I'll feud with Crime Town. Them talking about how how bad the mob is, and then having a live recording of the podcast in Providence, the Columbus Theater, and selling fucking mafioso T-shirts as merch. <sighs> anyway, come on the pod. Come on the pod, Crime Town. Anyway, <laughs> so. Bunny Zancy resigns in 84 after kidnapping and torturing uh, DeLeo. And then he comes back in the 90s, runs for mayor, wins very easily, and then actually goes to prison. Like, it's literally like the FBI is like spying on him for years. It's like a whole fucking thing. Um, But not so like he goes to prison. He gets out of prison. And a few years later, Runs for mayor again in 2014. <laughs> Give it a rest. And again. It's like Madonna coming out with that, like, bitch, I'm Madonna song. But much to his it's credit. Like, you did a great job. Leave it at that. Much to his credit, again, the city of Providence, like, the you know, the, the Italian-American boomers are excited and are on board for him. Um, he doesn't win. He ends up losing. Um and he dies like a year and a half later. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. Buddy Cianci. Um, You know, <laughs> leaving behind a whole legacy of corruption and scandal. Mired with a lot of like good shit that he did do for the city. I am not defending <laughs> a rapist anymore. Because um, I did for that'll be my deep dive next episode for years. Um, <laughs> but I also did not know about this until I read the book, The Prince of Providence. Um, but, um, I just, I find it, I think Buddy Cianci to me is very interesting. A lot of people call him like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because he had this one like really amazing, great side to him and like was such a good mayor in his like 
in a lot of ways while also obviously like kidnapping and torturing someone <laughs> and like embezzling, you know, millions from the city and leaving us with like debt that we're still trying to crawl out of to this day in Providence. But, but like, you know, it was like day and night. We all and- have... A good side and a bad side. You know, he was Mine, like a, <laughs> my bad side's my left side, but <laughs> he was like a he JK. Was, other way around. But. <laughs> he was like a very charming, uh, charming person who people, uh, yeah, sociopath, charming sociopath. Yeah, and it's like, what could his like career have been politically if he had just like kept it in check? Yeah, come on, not I, all sociopaths. I think his, uh, you know, you I think, can you can have that brain chemistry and not. <laughs> kidnap and torture anyone or so I think that rape anyone be- at gunpoint you know <laughs> which that would be the mistake I think his like um his narcissism was ultimately his fatal flaw and his mistake because he had so much power like uh, you know the mayor of Providence at like this point in the 80s for context like you had like they still obviously have their own driver right and they have their own security but like now they have to be a lot more humble about it because people get really pissed off. Back then, like, you were treated like literally the Prince of Providence. Yeah. Like, he was entertaining, like, fucking dignitaries, throwing roaring parties in his Power Street mansion. Like, was out at, like, every every cool bar and club that people were out at in the 80s, Buddy Cianci was there. If you knew someone who knew Buddy, you had a job at City Hall. Like... You know, my like my family like remembers this and like, you know, uh, my own grant. So (laughs) when Buddy Cianci resigned and went away um, and another mayor took over, my grandmother was fired from City Hall for talking shit about this new mayor (laughs) um, in the hallways of City Hall. And guess what? When Buddy Cianci came back, she got her job back. (laughs) Apparently. What? I know our our father worked for him for him and hated him. We just we said that when we started the episode. I did yes that Elisa called him a fucking idiot, but her her binky made it sound like Huckin. Um, so it's like this guy like had the city on lock. I mean that's why he's literally called the Prince of Providence. Um, and so I think the mistake here is like the unchecked. What happens when you have this unchecked power and you have like a crew of people around you that keep like feeding into your own narcissism? Well, also, if he is like an actual sociopath, like if he has anti uh, social personality disorder, they like in general, one of the symptoms is not having any regard for consequences. Like it fe- yeah. like consequences don't feel like they apply to you. So combine that with actual power and actual like continued lack of consequences you're gonna have like a god complex and think like i can do whatever the fuck i want yeah he definitely had a god complex i like i think i mean i've like read the biography about him prince of providence and it like you know talks a lot about it it would make sense that he would with the way that it talks about his childhood like him coming from like you know uh he was like first generation italian american and like uh came from Silver Lake, which was like a very like working class poor neighborhood, but then grew up on the east side, went to Moses Brown, was like a dumpy, you know, described as kind of being like the dumpy chubby kid in class that Mm -hmm. people would make fun of. And so he had to like get people to like him through like his humor and like gravitas and over the top personality. Like that all sets you up on top of then being in politics, I think, for being this kind of for like having that level of like what you would view as rejection and being like from the wrong kind of side of town. 
Um, yeah, definitely had no um, no care for what the consequences would be. Right. Um, and like the city also allowed for that. Like the fact that we then allowed him to run a second time and voted for him <laughs> a second time, knowing not only about the rape allegations, but also that he tortured and kidnapped someone mm. on top of like everything else that he was doing. Yeah. was like both like his mistake and like the mistake of like blind obsession and loyalty to a person who doesn't actually give a fuck about you. Yeah. Yeah. The mistake was also like the people of Providence reelecting him. It's not just his mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the like, how we like kind of treat celebrities because he was a celebrity in his own right. Right. Not even just in Providence, but obviously across the country, there was a whole podcast about him and his, um, him and his um, time as mayor and, and going to prison, coming out of prison, running a third time. <laughs> um, I did Ugh. work for his campaign manager. Um, and that's why we lost the election. Uh, uh, no, because she uh, campaigned for Buddy Sianci and that really shot us in the fucking foot. Moral of the story. Um, all right. Oh well. So moral of the story is all Italian Americans are criminals. Yes. Don't trust any of them. Absolutely. I know I never would. <laughs> Neither would I. Um, <laughs> I would never go into business or collaborate with an Italian American. <laughs> with with two Italian Americans at that. Couldn't be me. <laughs> moral of the story. Uh... <laughs> I'm also like part Italian. <laughs> Um, Not Italian American though. <laughs> what moral of the story? What is the moral of the story? I think moral of the story. What would you say the moral of the story is? I mean, moral of the story is kind of about everything we were just talking about with like unchecked, um, like, well, the the like unchecked. Uh, what, what is even the word? It's not even just privilege. It's like unchecked power and unchecked like free reign free reign um like time and time and again just becomes like almost a self-fulfilling prophecy like even though ultimately he did face consequences he kept escaping them almost because he didn't believe in them Mm -hmm. you know like That's like kind of what happened with Trump too. Yeah. Like well, there's he, a million reasons that Trump should have not been elected president. And it was like because he didn't give a fuck about the, those reasons, neither did his voters. Yeah. And that like I think is just like a weird, um, like almost gr- like hive mind that we need to fucking snap out of. Yeah. No, totally. Um, I say we generally. I know. Nobody here voted for Trump and nobody here voted for him. But yeah, sorry. I I just did the first time. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think he'd win. Uh, But yeah, I mean, moral of the story is also like, obviously don't commit any of the like heinous acts that he committed. But like, it's not like he gives a fuck about that. So like the moral is really for the other people that continued to like prop him up, you know? Every single article that I pull up about Buddy's Yancey is just like, this guy was a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and here's why. Um, Do you I'm, want... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. What were you going to say? 
Do you want to uh, credit the articles that you just... Oh, sure. I mean, one of them was just his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Classic. Um, the other was Timeline, Key Events in the 40-Year Career of Vincent Buddy Cianci um, by journal staff at the Providence Journal. Posted... Oh, this is an old article. In 2016. Wow. Um, vintage. Vintage. Retro. Uh, um, yeah, so... Rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> um, that's all I can really say. I hope that your granddaughter doesn't listen to this. <laughs> follows me on social media. Um, if your grandson does listen, he's a fucking piece of shit. Um, Ooh. Yeah, little asshole skater boy. Spicy. Ugh. Nika's fucking claws out right now <laughs> on the pod. Um, She's ready to make enemies. And I will say that, yeah, sure. I may have read The Prince of Providence when I was working as a waitress at Lily Marlene's in Providence during my breaks. And yeah, that might have been why I decided to run for state rep. <laughs> I'm neither confirming nor denying that. Very buddy of you to neither confirm nor deny. Listen, did I read that and did I think, oh my God, it is time to bring back the golden age of politics and I can do this as an Italian-American in Providence? As a reckless Italian-American. I thought, yeah. <laughs> and did I get Buddy Cianci's campaign manager to then be my campaign, ma- campaign manager before she decided to run her own race that I then ran? Yeah. <laughs> um, love you, Sid. <laughs> Other people called me that, and then I started well, calling honey, myself that. Being black out at my yeah, that was after people started calling me that, honey. So, <laughs> I know. All right, we're calling each other honey in the studio now, so <laughs> it's time to wrap up before before the machine guns get out. <laughs> before those Italian Americans whip out those unloaded guns. Listen, listen to me. Um, hey, we should have done this. We should have done a live recording of this episode at Graham's house. She would have told us all about it. She, I'll call her and I'll have her. I'll record the call and I'll upload it to the episode. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, we should do that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, thanks for listening <laughs> to the story of Buddy Cianci. If you can help it, please don't kidnap anyone don't and torture anyone. them. That's from the bottom of our heart. Um, we ask that. Um, Crime Town, you're on our fucking list. Crime Town, I can't stand you. <laughs> and every white, non-Italian American boy that listens to your podcast and tells me about it at parties and find out <laughs> from Providence. Uh, come on the pod. Come on the pod. Um, That's a fight. <laughs> Send us your mistakes at bestmistakespod at gmail.com. Leave us a review. Leave us a review. But not just the stars. Like, write us a review. We love the stars, but we want a written review. We want to hear from you. We want compliments. We want... Oh, I just realized I did this whole Italian-American episode of my Carmela Soprano (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. That's the keepsake right there. That's the keepsake. (laughs) She's so orange. It's a a hot shirt, though. Thank you. It's definitely going to fall apart. Yeah, Um, of course. Put that in the dryer (laughs) once and it's over. (laughs) But that's kind of the beauty of those shirts. You you like when they get a little flaky. You're like, here's my vintage shirt. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh, support us on Anchor. Support us on Anchor. Uh, Test your holes. Test your drugs. Test your drugs and kiss kiss your your friends friends on on the the mouth. mouth. We'll Uh, fucking see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.